This is the American Association of Orthodontists, the Business of Orthodontics podcast, episode 12. I'm Pam Paladin. Welcome. I'm joined by the AAO's general counsel, Kevin Dillard, who will talk to us in our first segment about the gray market for orthodontic appliances. And in our second segment, we will be joined by Congresswoman Michelle Lujan Grisham, a co-sponsor of the Raise Bill in Congress. Welcome, Kevin. I'm glad to have you back for another chat. Thank you, Pam. So there is a gray market for orthodontic products? I think there's a gray market for everything, Pam, and there's a black market for everything, apparently, too. You know, in the last year, we've done a lot of media and a lot of public awareness messaging about do-it-yourself orthodontics. And it's really, it's not the same issue, but it, it dovetails certainly with it. You know, the buyer beware, you got to make sure what you are getting and making sure that it's a quality control. A lot of people hear gray market and they think black market. And the difference between a gray market and a black market, of course, gray market is is when goods and goods are sold through non-authorized distribution channels. And by non-authorized, I mean from usually from the manufacturer of such products. Black market, black market is either fake goods or goods that have been stolen and are being resold at a at a marked discount. If you have the mental picture of somebody in a big city like New York selling, um, you know, Gucci handbags out of a suitcase or something right, like the that, Rolex or watches. the Rolex watches <laughs> out of a briefcase, right? It probably is counterfeit. The gray market is. Well, actually, a good example of the gray market is resulted in a Supreme Court case in 2008. It was Omega Watches versus Costco Wholesale, uh, two brands that probably a lot of people know. And what was happening is that Omega was selling their watches through authorized retailers. A few of those authorized retailers were then selling or reselling those watches through different companies that were not authorized who would then resell them to Costco. And then Costco could sell them at a significant discount over the authorized retailer because then they're not bound to suggested prices set by the manufacturer. Well, it went on the Supreme Court, and and, and, and frankly, um, the result is that Omega won that case. Now, there are a lot of things that uh, – a lot of factors that aren't necessarily applicable to, to, to orthodontics here. But the fact of the matter is goods sold over the gray market – it's not necessarily illegally done. It's just inadvisable to buy certain products over the gray market. So how can someone know what it is they're buying? Well, I think they need to check with the manufacturer and, and have assurance that the person that they are buying or the, the company from which they are buying the products are in fact an authorized retailer. And the question might arise, well, what difference does it make? If I can buy something cheaper and I, I'm pretty sure that it's the same product and it's not counterfeit, then what, what does it matter? Why can't I buy that? And the answer to that question is that you need to be sure what you're buying. And there's a number of products in the orthodontic marketplace that are heat sensitive, cold, temperature sensitive, and storage. They have a shelf life of a certain amount of time. You know, you think adhesives or things like that. And if you buy something off the gray market, not through authorized retailers, you don't have assurance that those products, even if they are the actual product, have been stored at the right temperature, um, if they've been uh, handled correctly. So, you know, it, again, it's buyer beware. So this is just something someone could could get their hands on a bracket of some kind, put it in a package, put a logo on the package and say, yes, this is, uh, this is you know, the official uh, product of this company. And it's it's not. If it's not authorized, uh, an authorized retailer or distributor, then, then you, you can't really know for sure. 
if something goes wrong with a, a what turns out to be a gray market product, what recourse would someone have? Well, the same recourse as if it comes from any other market, quite frankly, even, even a, a legitimate market. You, the orthodontist, are responsible for the products that you distribute in your office and the appliances and, and, and tools that you use on your patients. If something fails, they can sue you for it. So there is a legal liability involved. Absolutely. And the lawsuit would come from the patient, it potentially? Would come from or? the patient, the patient's parents. But they could sue you, if depending upon the injury, it could very likely be malpractice, personal injury, depending upon what, what happens. And, um, you know, again, I mean, I think that the message there is your practice, your name is on that practice, your reputation is on that practice, and everything that you say, offer, do to patients, treat how you treat patients, how you take diagnostic records, all reflects on you. And if they have a problem, they're going to say, I don't care where you got this product. You used it on me, and it's your responsibility to ensure my safety. Is it safe to say, Kevin, that if something sounds too good to be true, it probably is like perhaps the price of orthodontic brackets? Absolutely. Buyer beware. Buyer, buyer beware. If, if you find some product that's being offered at a significant discount from somebody you don't know or something like that, then, then I think you need to question and ensure that what you're getting is not necessarily that it's illegitimate or gray market or black market. It's just you need to be, be, be sure that what you're buying is what you think you're buying. And one more thing, patients can sue you for malpractice. And if, if something fails, if an, an adhesive or an appliance or a wire or something like that fails, at the same time, if it is the fault of the company or manufacturer of that product, then there might be product what's called product liability. So you might then be able to either join the manufacturer as a, as a co-defendant, as the case may be, depending on the jurisdiction, depending upon the facts, or you may be able to turn around and sue that manufacturer pro for product liability, as can the patient, perhaps. Here's the problem if you buy something through unauthorized distribution channels. It makes it much di more difficult to sue the manufacturer. Because the broker of that sale isn't recognized as an authorized broker from the manufacturer, it might be more difficult to trace the product back to and, and prove that it was, in fact, uh, the product of the company you think it was from. And you know, also sometimes, a lot of times in, in product uh, supplier contracts, they will even say that if, unless you buy something from an authorized retailer, they disclaim any and all warranties. Uh, you see that a lot with electronics or with, with watches, even going back to the Omega thing. If, if you take your watch or electronic into an unauthorized repair shop or something like that, it can void the warranty. Same thing. If you don't buy it from an authorized retailer, uh, you, you may your ability to sue the manufacturer for product liability may also be significantly diminished, if not completely eliminated. Last but not least, Pam, I think it bears mentioning that, you know, we, we tend to talk about this in terms of protecting the orthodontist, but even more significant and important than that is that you, you have a duty, orthodontists have a duty to protect their patients, and it is paramount even if it costs just a little bit more for that for that peace of mind, it is paramount that you ensure that the products and tools that you are using on the patient are what they say they are. They have all of the necessary government uh, approvals, such as the FDA or any other relevant state or federal regulatory agency that 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 uh, oversees that line of product or appliance. It's it's about protection of the patient. It's also about protection of you, but really protection of the orthodontist is secondary to that patient. You have a 
a sacred duty to that patient to make sure that you are that you are doing everything you can to ensure that their safety and their health is preserved. As always, great advice from Kevin Dillard, the AAO's general counsel. Thanks, Kevin. Let's take a short break, and when we return, we'll be joined by Congresswoman Michelle Lujan Grisham, a co-sponsor of the Raise Bill in Congress. Trying to straighten your teeth yourself can cause serious damage and tooth loss. Moving teeth is a healthcare procedure that needs the supervision of an orthodontist. These are experts in moving teeth and aligning jaws. For more, visit mylifemysmile.org. We are pleased to welcome a special guest to the AAO's The Business of Orthodontics podcast. She is Congresswoman Michelle Lujan Grisham, a Democrat from New Mexico who represents that state's first district. Congresswoman Grisham is a co-sponsor of H.R. 1185, a bill known as the Raise Health Benefits Act, which was introduced to Congress in February of 2015. Welcome to the podcast, Congresswoman Grisham. Oh, I'm delighted to be here. Thank you, Pam. Thank you. Would Would you briefly please describe the RAISE Act and what it's intended to accomplish? Oh, absolutely. You got the title just right, which is really important because there are several acts in Congress that uh, have a very similar title or the exact title and are related to health care. But the RAISE Act is, is a bill that's intended to increase the levels allowed for medical savings accounts. Uh, and probably more than that, uh, although we know that the increasing cost of health care and the increasing gaps for things that are not covered, even with uh, changes in health care through the Affordable Care Act, that it doesn't keep, it's not keeping pace with the uh, costs of health care, particularly oral health care, which isn't covered for adults in the Affordable Care Act. It allows you now to roll over those benefits. And really a third thing. So one, uh, we've doubled the amount. You can uh, have $5,000 in a uh, medical savings account. Two, you an additional 500 for dependents over two. So recognizing that families are not all the same shape and size. And three, allowing you to roll it over so that you have the kind of resource you might need to meet uh, any number of different healthcare issues, including oral healthcare issues, which are the least covered, uh, particularly for adults, of any of the healthcare benefits. Why did you choose to be a sponsor of the RAISE Act? Why do you feel it's important? Two reasons. Uh, Pam, I've got a a 30-year-plus, I I hate uh, admitting that I'm uh, really that old, uh, in healthcare, and uh, no matter what kinds of uh, healthcare arenas you're working in, private market, variety of insurance, uh, state programs like Medicaid, federal programs like Veterans Care and Medicare, uh, high-risk pools, which is something I did uh, uh, after I got out of state government, there's always a gap. There's always a place where people do not have either access to the benefits because they don't meet the eligibility requirements or the benefit is capped or minimized, which means that we never give a patient or a healthcare consumer everything that they need. We also don't provide provisions for people to to save. So, you know, this gives you that tax-free incentive to be able to save a little to meet those um, healthcare demands. But the, the, the probably the, the experience that led me to even work in the healthcare field is my father uh, was a dentist. Uh, I lost him when he was 83 years old. And at 83, he was still practicing doing 
prophylactic work uh, really for kids who at the time weren't Medicaid eligible, or at least not all of them were, which uh, is the state program for the poor. Uh, and uh, without these sort of school screening programs engaging dentists, they had no access to any oral care. And in fact, my dad, we converted our garage to a dental office. I thought everybody had a dental chair in their garage uh, because he saw patients all weekend long who didn't have sufficient personal resources or had no other way to get insurance or coverage and went without life-saving and very necessary oral health care. So this feels really important to me because I know it's going to do that much more make sure that oral health care gets the same level of attention, and this isn't enough, but it's, it's the right step in the right direction, that physical health care gets, and it supports consumers and patients to be able to do it, you know, on their own and to be thoughtful about it and give them the, enough resources to holistically support their families in this regard. Very nice, very nice. Will you tell us uh, what the status of the RAISE Act is currently? Well, you know, the the good news of the bill introduced in the House, and as you mentioned, I'm a co-sponsor. I'm going to give a shout-out to my Republican colleague, uh, Steve Stivers, who's, you know, really a, a, a remarkable member and also recognizes, as I do, that we need to do more to put patients in a, in a position and consumers, healthcare consumers in the driver's seat. But um, we've uh, got 54 sponsors. We continue to get sponsors. And in this uh, environment where you don't have very many uh, bipartisan health care efforts, uh, just if you look at the Affordable Care Act and it's either Democrats, leave it alone, and Republicans, if I can generalize, repeal it, we haven't seen the kind of opportunity for bipartisan work. And here, you know, we've got uh, 14 Democrats and 40 Republicans, and my job is to build many more of those Democrats and make this a, uh, an increasingly bipartisan bill. It's in the Ways uh, and Means Committee, which is uh, uh, the committee that does all sort of tax a tax deferral, if you will, a um, tax-free savings account through your employer. Uh, and uh, uh, three quick updates. One, you know, I think that uh, we're a little stalled. Uh, this is my, my uh, low level of, uh, of only being in Congress a third year in the tax committee only because the chairman of that committee is now the speaker. And so those efforts, and he was working on broad tax reform, where even some of the little initiatives caught up in a positive way, right? They get included in larger tax reform. So I think that that's a positive, even though there's a delay about when. Uh, two, we're, we're highly focused, unfortunately, and fortunately both, on what we do about funding the government. So most of our effort, other committee work, again, is taking a backseat until we get that done. But I want to give you now a third positive. Um, I think there are discussions in the Senate uh, that will really give us that kind of bicameral momentum that I think is really important for a piece of legislation like this. Uh, and, and lastly, uh, all of the, the, the discussions on the Hill right now is that in addition to tax reform that we want in 2016, health care initiatives uh, are certainly a top priority in a bipartisan manner. So I, I think that we're in as good a place as we can be. 
uh, uh, given how Congress uh, hasn't done nearly enough work for anybody, regardless of uh, your priorities or your or your party affiliation. But uh, I think we've got the right kind of leadership to to begin to influence the efforts to have committee hearings and so on on this piece of legislation in 2016. Representative Grisham, I think uh, a lot of people in our audience, uh, orthodontists, members of the AAO, uh, would be very happy in in, uh, working to help support the passage of this bill. What can they do to help support its passage? I really appreciate the advocacy Pam, and, and I want to give a shout out. I mean, the uh, the Association of Orthodontists uh, is is very effective. For those who are members, the, you know, their website helps you get a sense about how you can join the association so that you're part of that global federal advocacy network. And uh, that's very helpful to members, uh, whether you're on these bills or not, because they're complete, they're actively engaged in a dialogue with us about what a difference this will make for individuals seeking care. A personal story where I've got a, a, a young woman who I hope uh, will uh, feel good about my potential as her stepmother, but she's got three kids, single mom, they all need orthodontic care, and she's right in that situation where she just doesn't make enough money as a single wage earner to address that for all of them and doesn't have insurance. So these are the kinds of things that I know will really make a difference. So the association highlights those issues for us all of the time and gives us these practical examples. But here's something else. When the orthodontists and the dentists, the oral health care community, in my community, in my state, call me, write to my office, asked to have meetings and identify that this is meaningful for them, that really helps spur individual members to get engaged on this piece of legislation and to push the committee to get it heard and get it moving. And that's the piece I would really encourage. You want, you want orthodontists to join the association, and I need the association to tell orthodontists to get them and their whole practice to invite their members of Congress and other policymakers to view their practice, see their practice, and to talk to other community members about the value of passing this kind of legislation. Is there a way that you're aware of that uh, our audience members can find out who their representatives in Congress are so that they can make this, uh, they can do the outreach? Absolutely. You know, if, if, if you just go to congress.gov, if you do a, an, an easy, simple website search, there is a place for you to put your zip code in, and it will tell you who your member of Congress is. So it's very simple, uh, and, uh, and then you've got an online opportunity to have a dialogue with that member, but it will also give you all their local options. So if somebody put in their Albuquerque zip code, then they would know how to call my Albuquerque office and get in touch with me directly locally, and it would also tell them how to engage with me here in D.C. So it's really very easy to find that information. Excellent advice. Thank you. Many thanks to Congresswoman Michelle Lujan Grisham for taking time to appear on the AAO's The Business of Orthodontics podcast. It was a real pleasure to speak with you. Thank you so much. You are very welcome. Thank you for the work that you all are doing. It makes a difference to me, and it makes a difference to my state. And that's a wrap for Episode 12 of the AAO's The Business of Orthodontics podcast. Thanks to today's guests, Kevin Dillard, AAO's General Counsel, and Congresswoman Michelle Lujan Grisham of New Mexico. 
Join us for future podcasts as AAO experts explore questions and issues that are important to you in your orthodontic practice. If you have subject areas you'd like addressed on a future podcast, please email them to info at aaortho.org or call 800-424-2841. This is Pam Paladin. Thanks for listening to the Business of Orthodontics podcast, episode 12.